As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Dear gas prices, go take a hike. Toyota's hybrid lineup brings efficiency with power, savings with style, and tons of top tech. Think you can stand in our way? Think again. Toyota hybrids. Toyota. Let's go places. All right, Rob, good to be back with you at the podcast studio. I uh, took a couple episodes off. I was camping. I'm sure people are excited to hear about that. Uh, but it's good to be back in our awesome NBC Sports Chicago podcast studio with you. See so you dressed up for the occasion. Appreciate that. For those watching on YouTube, you'll get that joke. For those listening, thank you for tuning in. Uh, I just didn't, I just didn't want our NBC Sports Chicago polos to match again. Well, That's what I was trying to avoid. I went red today, you know, because I figured you wouldn't go red. Last time you went blue, I went black, but uh, we're already losing listeners by the <laughs> dozens. Uh, hey, so let's, this was my idea. You have no idea where I'm going with this uh, for this topic as we're in the dog days of the NBA season, but I just thought it was important to kind of plant the flag and, and look back because obviously with the NBA calendar uh, off one last offseason, last offseason, this was when NBA free agency was happening. Now, we already had the verbal commitments from DeMar DeRozan and everything, but the official transactions were taking place at about this time. And man, it was a dizzying week of events. Um, you know, the Alonzo Ball sign-and-trade, the DeMar DeRozan sign-and-trade, the Alice Caruso uh, free agency um, signing um, they completely transformed the roster. And I just thought it was important to kind of look back and assess what that means moving forward. Because like you, I've sensed quite a bit of fan disappointment, and I'm painting with a broad brush here, about maybe the lack of activity this offseason or maybe the targeted activity this mm-hmm. offseason. And I kind of wanted to look back a year from now, remember how much change happened, and then see what that means moving forward. Yeah, it laid the groundwork for this focus on continuity that is now taking hold, quote-unquote, continuity, because you can't flip the whole roster every year right. right, and leave two players from the prior year. So, yes, it is an important, and, and even put it in the context, too, of that six-month stretch, right, where February or March or whenever the trade deadline was that year was the Nikola Vucevic trade. That obviously didn't immediately pan out then it was kind of a continuation of that aggressive approach. But like you said, Casey, when you sandwich that six-month stretch slash that offseason between this front office's first offseason with the team where it was Garrett Temple. Temple for part of the mid-level yeah. and not much else, and then this offseason where it was splitting between Drummond, Dragic, basically minimum signings, those two, uh, and bringing back Derek Jones Jr., to me, it's it's interesting, and the thing I think that when I was reflecting a little bit on the flurry of activity last offseason with DeRozan, with Caruso, with Lonzo Ball specifically, the thing that stood out to me and I remembered thinking the most from that offseason, once you get past the initial wave of surprise reaction, right. if you're a fan, excitement, what stood out to me about that offseason, we talked about it a lot at the time, was how 
clear-eyed once you dug into each of these players attributes how clear-eyed the front office's assessment of what went wrong with the team in 2020-21 was and how intentionally they targeted players that were going to directly address key weaknesses for for Lonzo and Caruso it was the point of attack defense pick and roll defense at the point of screens playing faster turning the ball over less and then for DeRozan for a primary ball handler low turnover high free throw guy another shot creator next to Zach Levine the offense isn't going to die when he leaves the floor etc cetera, etc cetera. um so it's kind of interesting because that was such an admirable part of that offseason it's interesting to pit that against this offseason where you know they did identify weaknesses and address them to just from the outsider from my layman's eye it is not as snug a fit for the weaknesses that I see uh but it is interesting to kind of compare that thing that permeates this front office across different offices yeah that's that's really well said and we can go a lot of different directions in this before I lose this thought though when you talk about not as snug of a fit I would agree with you because obviously the publicly stated needs were addressing outside shooting and then also um rim protection I think you would agree with me on this though I think if you get past how Andre Drummond is not your prototypical rim protector, I think he's a really good signing. Totally. Um, uh, you, you know, Completely agree. Uh, the, the fantastic backup center at this stage of his career, excellent rebounder. Bulls were not a great rebounding team across the board last year. Um, so, But that's, that's besides the point. I want to get start back and move forward. Um, there's a thematic thing I want to say, but I, I'll get to that later. Um, but I want to focus specifically on DeMar DeRozan because Lonzo Ball was not a surprise. Mm-hmm. I mean, True. He, he was well, um, well um, reported. Well, it was well documented their interest in him at the trade deadline. There were ta- the Bulls had talks with Larry Markin and, and the Pelicans about a trade. Then that didn't work out. So the fact the Bulls went out and specifically targeted Lonzo Ball and what he was agreed to, what, the first 30 seconds and cost him a second <laughs> round pick, that was not a surprise. DeMar DeRozan was a surprise. And I'm just trying to first, before we get into the significance of it and the reaction to it, what do you remember about, I think it was Mark Spears that first raised it. it I, I should have looked that up. Um, Mark has long, had longtime ties to, to DeMar. Um, uh, but... What was your initial reaction when the the reported interest happened and then when it got serious? Do you remember? I think surprise is probably the word that comes to mind. And I mean, just candidly, go back and listen to my take on it. I didn't like the signing. I thought it was a step too far for what that offseason was because of the financial commitment, which, as it turns out, you know, tomorrow, I think for the way he performed last year, you could say he performed at a max level. Oh, in for fact, sure. The contract isn't a max. Yeah. Makes it good value. Uh, and I just thought it like, Really, the, I remember, and I won't like totally re-dig back into my quote-unquote analysis of the signing at the time, but I remember once the initial surprise and shock wore off, it was, okay, this this is serious, like this season. This right. is as all-in as all-in gets in terms of the resources that they had at their disposal and the you know players, assets, whatever you want to say, were out there for them to use resources on. So there was like a, I, I actually remember like a gravity once that signing came through because it, sure. it was like, okay, this is it. Like, this is the roster. Whatever happens this season is so important for the future of the franchise because they've used a lot of their bullets here. Because then there were the, the other thing that, you know, matters in terms of analyzing the transaction was what they gave up in the signing trade. Another first round pick out the, out the door. 
Um, Thad Young, who was a you know good depth piece, who we were anticipating being a part of the front court rotation, um, was gone. In and would have fit last year's roster, by the way. And would have fit last year's roster pretty well. Uh, so surprise, uh, a little like I, I wasn't. I wasn't like this is the worst offseason signing ever. And I was. I didn't say the Bulls were going to be a playing team. Like I wasn't that level of critical of it. But I was a little uneasy. I was like, ah, oh, is this before really digging into the fit? I was like, is this the right, you know, uh, chip to like thing to push all your chips in on? Right. And then the gravity of how significant of a signing it was, even in the moment, kind of hit me. And I remember it was almost surreal because, you know, I didn't grow up a Bulls fan. I'd only been on the beat for a few years. And this is just not how, to my eye, the organization has operated historically. Um, and you know, this front office, it, although the Vucevic trade, that was another surreal moment, yeah. honestly. Cause that, and that one truly came out of nowhere. It was really surreal because I was live on the score when it happened with the Vuce one or yeah, the, the Vuce one. Oh, were you? <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. We should go back and listen to that. I'd, I'd be, I'd love oh, they to played it many times. It was Layla and uh, Dan Bernstein. I was on with Layla and Dan Bernstein. Do you remember what you said? I remember saying, well, we have breaking news and I was then doing some live reporting and they, <laughs> then they let me go. But Layla's reaction, actually both of their reaction was pretty priceless. It's on live Whoa! on radio. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He remembers, Tony, <laughs> Tony remembers. They, they've played it many times over, over the year. Yeah, that's amazing. Over the year. Wow, we've, we've each had some pretty uh, wild experiences on Bernstein. I never told this story, but on my way to, you know my All-Star Weekend story with my, yeah, yeah. With my car. Yeah, yeah. I, had, I had a bit of car trouble while I was on the phone with Bernstein once upon a time. That's funny. Um, uh, where were we in terms of tying up that point? Yeah, just basically surprise, uneasiness at the signing, yeah. thinking, oh, is this the right move? And then, okay, this is it. This really frames the season as a as a particularly significant Well, one. you were talking about the historical perspective, and that's usually my department, but I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah. I mean, that was, uh, once I got past that, I want to, I definitely remember my initial reaction, but I'm glad you brought that up because, I, as I've said many times, like, I am just not used to a managerial regime that goes through first-round picks like they're pennies. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. Jer- I've covered Jerry Krause, I've covered John Paxson and Gar Foreman. Both of those regimes you know, hoarded first round draft picks. They were like gold to them. Um, and this regime, and you know, that's not to say they this regime doesn't value first round picks. Maybe their view has been in order to get the franchise back to relevancy quickly, this is what we need to do. And then we can, you know, start building through the draft. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, but it has been, it has been jarring the the uh, disparity in in, a, in initial approach and then uh, and especially because I watched the John and Gar regime take over for Jerry Krause and build through the draft that was Kirk Heinrich that was Ben Gordon that was Luol Deng that was going out and getting another first round pick and doing Gordon and Deng in that first um in that in that same draft so it was just the discrepancy is pretty jarring and then so Tony I don't remember what you said about the signing at the time but I always go to you for the pure Bulls fan perspective because when you bring that up kind of the, the contrast between how the organization operated at one point in time versus how they operate now or were operating that off season. Yeah. One thing I had to, to do as I was kind of reflecting on the signing, what it meant was remove myself from the reporter brain, which yep. can get a little bit too uh, sanitized and well, how does the cap sheet look? And what are the, what are the draft pick? and think about if you're a bulls fan, it was actually a really refreshing and exciting and invigorating stretch of days because, oh my God, this team is operating like the big market team that we've always wanted to, them to operate as. Well, and that was the second point I wanted to make before we get to Tony, um, uh, uh, that the, once I got past, past the, okay, this manager regime 
means business. Uh, well, they just operate differently. Oh yeah. No, what I what I because I, I like everybody else. I fo- I heard you know not a fit, overpay, blah blah blah. You know, Demar's on the back end of his career. But you know, what I just focus on, I remember writing this, is that the Bulls are merely in the position where they just have to upgrade their talent. Mm-hmm. And nobody could deny that they upgraded their talent. I mean, totally. DeMar DeRozan is a fantastic player. Whether or not you expected of the year he had this year or not, he's an all-NBA caliber player. So, um, you know, that's what I wrote. That was my reaction. They just are in a position where they just have to upgrade their talent, and they did that. So that's where I that's where my focus was, I remember, at the time, and that's what I wrote. Um you know, I understood that people were analyzing the overpay or is DeMar washed or nearing the back end of his career. I, I got all that. And he obviously answered those questions, but I just, I was, I was, my, my focus was just on, Hey, they're upgrading the talent on the roster. Yeah. Tony, do you, did you have that moment as, as a fan of, okay, this is different and exciting. Yeah. I mean, growing up in, or, you know, being a part of today's iteration of the NBA where the offseason is just as entertaining uh, than the regular season, that the Bulls were never in those conversations during the offseason. Where they were never in those. It was after all the big moves were made. Oh, Bulls signed a one-year deal for Bulls signed a, a, a two-year deal with, you know, said bench player. Like, it was never, you know something to be okay when free agency starts you know the bulls are going to be right in it and it was never like that before this regime you know got there for a while for a long time uh and it was refreshing from from a bulls fan standpoint so yeah that's how i kind of viewed it was okay even though you know i had my takes on you know them getting you know demar but it they were a part of it of the thing that is the nba offseason free agency thing they were Woj bombs and uh, Sham stuff like on the Bulls, which made it exciting for a Bulls fan. Yeah. Um, and then the Caruso thing was just, you know, you just, you're like, okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. The Lakers yeah. aren't going to pay him and here you go. And they just swooped in on a great opportunity. I remember being impressed too, that there wasn't as much overpay. Who is this guy right. talk amongst the fan base. And we get so in the Twitter sphere or whatever, but right. I think on when you're dealing with Bulls Twitter, you're dealing with a segment of the fan base that is in the weeds, that is typically more educated, watches more NBA, you know, and, and when I say educated, I mean like, like well-versed in the league and kind of, you know, there are all these metrics out there about how Crusoe was one, if, if not the best point of attack defender in the league. Um, so I just remember, you know, that was great value when it happened. It was obvious he was going to be a fan favorite. If you just knew anything about his Lakers tenure and just fit the vision. I mean, we should, we should even talk a little bit about how, because the DeRozan thing, like again, once the initial wave of shock uh, wore off, really for each one of these guys, once you, even if you took a cursory dig into the types of players that each of these guys were, it was so obvious the that the fit was going to be good. Now, yeah. we didn't know what the ceiling of the roster as a whole was going to be, uh, but it, it did not take me long to look into the DeRozan thing and, and think, okay, yeah, fit isn't really the concern here. It's more about just kind of the long-term scope or like the asset play or whatever um because of the way that he improves their turnovers their uh that was the other thing another underrated piece of this he came in as one of the better rated clutch guys quote unquote in the league the bulls it's so funny to think about because of all the great moments they had late in games this year they were one of the worst clutch teams in the league in that 2020 21 season 
There was that, the free throws, turnovers, shot creation, Crusoe and ball, you know, individual defense, perimeter defense, screen navigation, you know, ball uh, in terms of getting them out in transition, his the fast break, playmaking, yeah. the hit ahead passing meshed so well yeah. with the rest of the, uh, of the roster, particularly Zach. Um, the way that it's so funny, these three big offseason signings meshed with Zach, one of the few holdovers from the roster that this front office inherited yeah. and Vooch, their first and big there were a lot move. of questions about that. Well, wait, well, those three guys meshing with Zach. And then they, those three meshed with Zach and Vooch to form in the first two, three months of the season, one of the best five man units in the league. And it was a closing lineup that was super, super uh, effective. Sad trombone uh, cue, Tony, for that five man unit. I was what, really excited together. How many I, minutes did they play together? It's not, not a lot. You can look that. I'll look, I, I'll I'm, look it I'm up. good at stalling on the podcast while Rob pulls up stats. Cause he's much more uh, smarter and faster on computers than me. More uh, smarter. Yeah. It's yeah. That, there you go. I'm so, you're so much smarter than <laughs> I'm. I'd say I am. Uh, but uh, no, but that, that, that five man unit was fantastic. And that's the vision that they see is that five man unit being on the court more together this year. Although obviously the Lonzo ball situation is uh under question, particularly to start the season. Um, I'm getting a pinwheel. Sorry. Uh-oh, uh, pinwheel. That man, who, who paid the wireless bill, Tony? <laughs> In our fantastic podcast studio. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, nine, 95 minutes together. I said 92. How yeah. about some props for that? Let's go. Come on now. Plus, hey. plus 12.5. 95 rating. minutes that lineup played together. Think about that. Yeah. Actually, I'm glad. I, I have... What do you got there? Because I that that ties perfectly into the theme theme the two big themes I want to hit before we get up out of here. All I was gonna say was that I don't have time to pull up context for what it was around the league at that point. But I do remember at the beginning of the season, every time I went and checked on that five man unit, it was up there in terms of lineups that had played their specific reached their specific minutes threshold. And then you just watch the way they close games, the way those guys' skill sets all mesh together. Um, it was seamless. It absolutely was, and all the more impressive because of how new that group was together the continuity focus of this offseason really frames how unlikely it is that a completely new group of players is going to instantly gel as well as the Bulls did last year. Um, and it was just, you know, I'm almost getting nostalgic for something that happened less than 12 months ago. It was so much fun going to games every night, yeah. those first two, three months of the season. They were playing just an electric, you know, high octane athletic, just a the really United center was juiced. And it, jacked. It, 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 it was, it was, it was, it was great. I mean, I'm young in this, in this business, but it was, Easily. I mean, there's not even a question about it. The most fun I had over an extended stretch covering uh, the NBA. Well, that's a perfect launching off point for the two big teams I want to hit. And I want to get your take on on, on this. Because um, to me, and this is what's interesting about this offseason, is if you look at the current management regime's tenure, what has happened? There has been um, a period of evaluation followed by a segment of the fan base getting antsy and impatient and then boom, major action, typically out of left field. Although the first example I'm going to bring up was not out of left field because most assumed that Jim Boylan would be fired just just yeah. when. But the fact that Arturis Karnaschovas methodically went through that process, took his time to evaluate, fired him, boom. Well, I should say it did, uh, did, um, did lead to a major action because nobody expected Billy Donovan to be on the open market, and here you go, signing the most uh, expensive coach to a four-year deal. And that was concurrent with them doing little to the roster other than Patrick Williams and uh, Garrett Temple. Okay, that led to more questions. Why didn't they do more to the roster? 
period of evaluation, period of evaluation, boom, the Vooch trade in February mm-hmm. that just blew us all away. Okay. Leads into an off season where the big moves that we're talking about happen. And that is now led to a period of relative inaction. Other than the fact we, we also kind of buried the lead here. They did resign Zach Levine. Oh yeah. To a five year yeah. max deal. So that was the mo- most important thing to do this, uh, this off season. The domino but, that started this entire thing was th- this entire roster construction path that they've chosen was their belief in Zach Levine. Right, right. We've talked about that ad nauseum. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, this a separate conversation or a separate podcast even is, you know, are these moves going to work because they didn't really target their specific needs of shooting, rim protection, et cetera? Okay, that's separate. What I'm trying to say is, like, this period, relative, this period of relative inactivity follows uh, off-season in which – they completely overhauled the roster and led to what you're talking about. Incredible fan excitement, strong play on the court, an East leading team until it got derailed. I'm not here to say that the Bulls are going to be competing for the Eastern Conference Championship this year, although maybe they will be if they're healthy and things break right. What I am saying is it's been a little weird for me to reconcile the jarring difference between the excitement that was happening last year, the excitement that was happening as that lineup when it did play together, produce the results that it did. And now everyone just kind of going underwhelmed. Maybe that's because of how poorly last season ended. But my point is like, let's see how this plays out. Because to me, the management regime has earned the benefit of the doubt with their big moves. Yeah. I think also not the the fan base isn't and uh, and i'm not saying that you're saying this but it's yeah, not yeah. a monolith like right there that, are there are plenty of fans i'm sure and that i've you know talked to that are totally willing to play it out and that yeah. the drum and signing like we said it good value uh again like this is our outside evaluation that the room protection thing wasn't uh you know isn't the first thing that you think of with andre drummond but if you take it as they had a pressing need at backup center they address that i think that that's how i've always said it is they've they really improved the backup center spot with that signing. Um, but, uh, you know, rim protection, we'll see. Uh, you look at Trogic, I mean, they're not going to say this publicly, but maybe one of the needs that they identified was insurance at guard because of Lonzo's nebulous situation because of oh, how no unpredictable. Well, that's, but that's what I mean is like that wasn't ever going to be publicly stated the way that free throws and turnovers and stuff like that right. was. But I, I think beyond, and I'll let you finish, but beyond the Lonzo ball insurance to me, as you said before, it's Goran Dragic is also signed for a 16 game season. He, he He's a playoff addition as well. Sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I don't really have much more to add other than I think, you know, I just know that the fan, the, the fan base is not all thinking one way or the other, uh, but it is important to let this play out and, Hopefully, I'm not even saying this as a fan. I just, you know, for the sake of the story and giving this group a fair shot together, you know, hopefully that, and just for the human beings involved, health. hopefully the health is better this year. Yeah. And when you map it out, I mean, Crusoe and Ball playing half to less than half of the season, it almost feels impossible that the health couldn't be better, but then with Alonzo's situation. But they're already off to a rough start exactly, with Alonzo's situation. Exactly, exactly. But I mean, I, I just I, I just look, I just keep coming back to this, and this, is, this has been reported. This management said it publicly. I mean, they believe in the roster they constructed. And then, and you just said it, that roster played, or that closing lineup, their their vision of how this roster is supposed to be played together, 95 minutes. Well, and actually, it, I mean, if we really want to go deep, their real vision barely played at all because Patrick Williams wasn't a part of the best parts point. of last season. You know, So that's actually 
Uh-oh, here comes another Patrick Williams conversation. Every podcast no, has no, a 15 no, minute no, one. No, no, no. I'm wrapping this up soon. I just, this up soon. I just I just quickly want to say uh it, I'm just interested to see you know what his addition does to that kind of closing lineup calculus. Yeah. Does that five man grouping stay the same? Is it matchup dependent? Uh that's just an interesting storyline to the season that Lonzo has to be healthy for it to really be that interesting. Um, maybe it just gets answered by Caruso. Well, whenever Lonzo, Lonzo, I mean, he is going to be healthy at some point. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's just, I, I hope so. <laughs> hope so. That, that was a legitimate question, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, I just want to put in that I'm interested to see, cause those are the six kind of locks to be yeah. heavy minutes, nightly basis matchup regardless. Uh, so I'll be interested because that lineup was so devastating last year. I, if it was me, I'd probably, you would think that they would just roll with that to start the year in terms of like the most high leverage minutes. Uh, but you know, we always keep our, uh, mind open to the Patrick Williams leap and you know, different matchups are what they are. Uh, over under on, uh, it's set at 95 minutes. Will that, will that closing lineup play more than 90 or will those five players play more than 95 minutes together next season? Screw it. It's Chicago summer. I'm feeling good. I'm optimistic. You're going over I'm going over. Okay. All right. I mean, they played in 16 games together. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I think it. I think that was and the, it, that was the that was the stat we kept hearing. And, and everyone's like, "What were they talking about? Sixteen games? It was sixteen games." Yeah, that's where yeah. that's where it's derived yeah. from. Uh, and the other thing, I, I don't have firm data to back this up, but just if, if memory serves, it took a few games to find this grouping in the way that they leaned on it. You know, during that kind of yeah golden stretch of the season. So you know, whenever Lonzo is healthy, whenever that group is all available together, I just imagine we're going to see it right away because it was so effective last year yeah um anyway i just thought it'd be fun to look back i mean i will say one other thing about this is that um it's fun to be back on a regular um off-season nba schedule i mean because yeah. you know I'm, i don't even know what that's like so yeah <laughs> i mean we're taping this uh, you know in august and it's pretty slow which is why we're talking about big picture topics um it's just weird because for basically two off seasons there was no regular nba off-season rhythm you don't have the 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 longevity that I do so there's there's really a rhythm to the NBA offseason this is the first year we've had this but it's just weird to think that a year from now all this stuff a year ago from right now all this stuff was happening and now it's a dead period because free agency's already happened it's just why I, there was that stretch where the Bucks won the title and it was like there were two NBA champions in a nine yeah. nine month span it or something it, it was just it was wild yeah it was wild to put it even more like my first season I came in November 2019 pandemic happens three months later i this is literally the first normal yeah nba offseason i've ever which is uh, why you're uh for those of you watching on youtube you're wearing a t-shirt and you're about to go camping this weekend (laughs) (laughs) all right that's going to do it for this edition of the bulls talk podcast we certainly appreciate you listening presented by toyota that's going to do it for this edition of the bulls talk podcast presented by toyota we certainly appreciate you listening as always find us on stitcher apple podcasts and spotify subscribe if you like the show and feel free to rate and review us you can also check us out on our youtube channel thanks for listening and uh, new episodes are ready every tuesday and friday we will catch you next time